or I guess I was going to think about it and probably forget about it. But I just got woken up about 30 minutes ago by a screaming rabbit that my cat brought into my house. And so I thought it was interesting because rabbit came out from the reading. And so food for thought rabbit in the reading, rabbit in the house. Okay, good night. Good morning again. It's 2.50 a.m. on the 20th, I said the 25th right now. Yeah, Tuesday, 25th of July. And I just wanted to make this disclaimer about this episode. I was listening to it. And I think that I'm putting together, like, not a Catholic church, but the Catholic church and CHI health together. And I know that that's a a mistake on my part. Um, That, and then there was... So anyways, I'm not blaming you, Rich Church. <laughs> I know that you guys are separate entities, but it does make me wonder um, or question the nonprofit status of CHI Health and I had to Excuse me, I'm tired. Okay. And stay tuned because a rabbit shows up in my house in real life. Good night. Oh, and there's a Bible reading toward the end. If you want to skip through, you can. You can. Good night. Good morning. Today is. Monday, July 24th, 2023, and it's 7.40 a.m. This morning, I woke up at 4-something, and it was a lightning storm, and it turned into a beautiful thunderstorm, and I watched the whole thing, and the lightning was amazing, and then... It looked like it was going to be rainbow sun in the morning. So I went out rainbow hunting in my, on my road. And I took my camera and I traced my steps. And then the steps turned into, it always is like reliving it. So I walked through all of the grass. I walked the, the way it was, except for I didn't zigzag and go on the road. Or cross the road even. Oh no, I did cross the road. <laughs> but anyways, that was beautiful. And as I was taking pictures about halfway there, I was taking a step and this little wounded sparrow crossed right in front of my feet. And then it went on to the road. And actually that's when they crossed the road. I Picked it up because it couldn't really walk or fly. It was like struggling. So I picked it up and took it the rest of the way across the road and then I held it. And then I dropped it off on the other side. 
And I took pictures some more. It had his wing injured. I could see the blood. But I think it'll heal up alright. So this morning, I think that's a pretty clear sign to read the sparrow. And also a blue heron passed over me overhead after the storm had passed. Shall we look it up? Let's start with the sparrow. Sparrow in this one. Where's my other one? There's one other one in here. It's funny because then there was blood on my hands. I was listening to this song. I was just going to tell you this story. I I was listening to this song earlier when it was dark before I went on my walk. And the song moves me. I went to this concert once. And um, anyways, it talks about having blood on the hands. And, and uh, after I picked up the sparrow, I didn't notice at first, but on my way back, after my camera became full and couldn't take any more pictures. There was blood on my hands, and there was blood from the sparrow with the wounded wing. Can you hear it? I think I cried, you know, during it. This performance, it's such a powerful song. Krishinka. Krishinka's on my left here. She just hopped up on the chair with me. Is there not a table? Oh, here it's just it. Let's see. The eagle meets rabbit. Basketball player, nickname Eagle. Who's Rabbit? In Rabbit. The Rabbit is relentless. Even though the Eagle could swoop down and devour the Rabbit at any moment, it doesn't. It's as if the rabbit makes the eagle forget its job description. And so goes the push and pull of our lives. We feel strong and weak, sure and then confused. This power play between my inner eagle and my inner rabbit has been of interest to me for years. It was actually the subject of my very first calendar. I drew under the moniker, the wild unknown. That was seven years ago, and the puzzle is still not solved. In an attempt to delve into the mystery, please welcome the wild unknown animal spirit deck. It is an exploration of our inner contradictions, our complex natures, and the endless mystery of who we are. We start this exploration by looking outside ourselves, asking Mother Nature for guidance. What can we learn from the great cr cr creatures who have inhabited our planet since the dawn of time? Who is it? Tim, Kim Kranz. Kim Kranz. Oh, it's an, oh, an eagle sparrow. 
Or is it a hawk sparrow? I've never seen I've never seen an eagle sparrow, but I've seen a hawk sparrow. Do we have it in here? Rabbit. This book is something because <laughs> this book is special to me. It was given to me by my friend, my best friend, and the cards too. Somewhere the cards are. I always lose track of everything. And anyways, I loved it. I would use it outside on my deck in my old house, and uh, I left it out there. And it was outside the day of when there was a fire that came out of nowhere. And uh, it was out on the deck, so it's got, it's like peppered with the ashes of that fire that was carried in the orange sky. And, and, uh, and stayed out there during, you know, during the rain. Honestly, I think I'd forgotten out there in my special little spot. And when I came back, it was still there. It can still be red. But each page, each page is water. It's like you can feel the water on it. You probably wouldn't know if it had the ashes on it if you didn't, if I didn't tell you. But actually, if you look at it, you can tell. The pages are kind of not blackened, but. I would have thought it would be an everyday. And are we gonna show you make a deck? It could be cool to have our own spirit deck. Created it. I could be into that. Yeah. Moth, huh? I should read it because I have everything. Well, I don't think they have a sparrow in here. Well, then let's go into art. Use. Animal speak. Sparrow, 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 sparrow. And guess what? For once, I can tell you, I know right where they are, and I see them. Can you believe it? If it's within the circumference of my desk. I can usually figure it out. Oh. Hmm. Oh, lolly loo, lolly loo. Okay, sparrow. What do you have to tell me today? Sparrow, awakening and triumph of common nobility. Cycle of power, year round. The sparrow has not always been considered the pest it is today. It is a perky, assertive bird that can hold its own against many forms of predation. The sparrow lives in all habitats, in the United States, there were no natural checks upon it, and thus it multiplied at a fantastic rate. The sparrow has its share of lore, as with many birds. One story tells of how it was the one bird present through the crucifixion of Christ, making it a symbol of triumph after long suffering. It was a symbol of household divinities in Britain, and during the Middle Ages, it was a symbol for the peasants and lower classes throughout Europe. Peasants at this time were often helpless under the power of overlords. Because of this, they loved 
to hear tales of how the insignificant sparrow triumphed over such powerful enemies as wolves, bears, and eagles. The traditional symbols of nobility and those who mistreated the peasants. Oh, and those who mistreated the peasants. Its ability to multiply and assert itself in, the spite, in spite of predation reflects the idea that nobility of the common person is inherently strong. For those who have a sparrow as a totem, look about you. Are you allowing others to take your dignity? Have you forgotten your own self-worth? Have you begun to think that you would always be under the heel of some tyrant, human or social? The sparrow will show you how to survive. It will awaken within you a new sense of dignity and self-worth, helping you to triumph in spite of outer circumstances. The sun sparrow is very symbolic of this. It has three spots in the form of an inverted triangle on its throat and breast. There is a dark spot on each side of its throat and a heavy spot in the middle of the breast. This reflects a drawing down of energy to awaken the heart and the throat centers. It is the assertion of will to bring out the inherent dignity so it can sing forth in your life. This is what the sparrow can teach. I think that's interesting because I... The sparrow came across my path because I was reliving, I was retaking the steps of um, the accident and, and, and bleeding and being on the side of the road. It came out of, from where I was. And I think it's significant because it was like his wounded sparrow came out of the corn and it came out of the grass, crossing the street and it kept crossing the street trying to not die. And I, and I know just what that feeling is like too. Right then and right there, you know. And I know what that feeling is like. And, and it says that this is about self-worth. You know? I mean, these are the signs that I get. These are signs that is not in my mind, you know? <laughs> I mean, it, it is in my mind, and therefore it is in my world. Because this is my world, and I've created it, but it manifests itself in things that people are witness to. Today, my camera was a witness to it. I don't know if it, if I got it hopping out or not. I had to stop to put down. My, I had to put down the camera to pick up the bird. <sighs> Tales of how the insignificant sparrow does me triumphed over such powerful enemies as wolves, bears, and eagles. The traditional symbols of nobility and those who mistreated the peasants. Ability to multiply and assert itself in spite of predation. The common person is inherently strong. Am I allowing others to take my dignity? Not until they've stamped out me. And they can't allow them to stamp out my hope. And they don't control my hope. I have to remember that. They don't control my hope. And they might, might have constructed a fabric that covers the body of my story that they reflect. But like, 
<laughs> but they weren't there. But they weren't there. And I mean, God knows. God knows. I just stumbled in my kitchen, dude. And I've been thrown through the through the ringer like this. God knows it. You know? And I and I and I called to tell you that there's a I called the richest Catholic church I could think of. This weekend when I still didn't have power in Omaha. And they call me they call me a lady called me back and she was really kind. And we talked. You know? And I told her my story. I told her who I am. I told her about my daughter and my life. And I cried, you know? And, you know, she was kind and ended up, you know, giving me a phone number to call to some Catholic church closer to me. And, um,. I have this feeling that she knew the tale already, <laughs> which is just really kind of proof of my claim, I think. And, uh, and anyways, we talked. And, and she talked about how suicide is a, a big deal. And I said, yes, it is a big deal, you know? It's a huge deal, but I didn't do that. I said, imagine, lady, imagine if you woke up in a world where all you did to do was, like, stumble in your kitchen, and now you're living inside the fabric of people's misunderstanding of me. And something like, like that. Like, that paints people's entire picture of me. And, like, I know that, I, you know, like, I'm not saying I haven't become over-emotional, like, you know what I mean? I've had my issues with suicide in the past, in my 20s. And, you know, I don't know. I had an experience that saved my life, and I just never did it again after that. It was like God put me down and didn't let me die. And nobody was there for it. It was only me. But after that, I just like, it was something special. It was like God put me down. The only way I could explain it was angels. Like, that's the only way I can explain it. It was like surgery. It was like I, it was like so, I was so ready to die one moment and then the next moment I woke up and it was the next morning and I it was the light and I was okay and I after that I never did it again because I felt like God saved me for a reason and I understood the glory of life you know and that was like in my 20s my early 20s I think it was at my first house and and so and I admit that you know I admit that I'm not perfect and that I've been you know I've suffered from depression before but you know whatever I don't even remember what it was I think I just hated myself I don't know was it I mean I don't even know. I feel like a different person from then. And, uh, but since then, I, what can I say? Can't do that. You know? So that's what happened. And, um, but, So God saved me. 
And I was back in my 20s. So. So I never did it again. And and I have a daughter. And you know, I know. I know people whose mothers have killed themselves. And I don't want to do that to them. I would never do that. I don't want to do that to my daughter. And so I couldn't just let myself die. On the one side of the road, I had to cross the road and keep going. I just kept thinking to myself while I was laying there. I kept thinking to myself, I can't, not like this. 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 Please don't let me die 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 like this, God. Please. Please not like this. Not like this. Not like this. Please. Please, God, please. Please don't let it be like this. I knew that if I died like that, on the side of the road, everyone would think that I killed myself. I knew everyone would think it. I knew my daughter would think it. I knew that it would make her feel inherently unloved. I couldn't. I couldn't let her think that I died like that. I just couldn't. I couldn't let her think that. I couldn't let her think it. God, let me just keep going. I'm just holding on. I was losing so much blood. Every step I took, it was just like... It just kept just pouring out. It just kept pouring out. Coffee? What, what is that? What is that on my feet? What is that wetness? What are, why is it warm? And I remember looking at the kettle and being like, what? It's not even illuminated yet, you know? Like, it wasn't even on. So, if it wasn't on, then, then where was this warmth coming from? Because nothing happened yet, and I'm making my coffee, and like, that was my thought process. I had to go through it backwards. And, and I realized somehow that. Then I must. Then I realized I must have cut myself, and I didn't even. I don't even think. I don't know. I just. 
happened so fast. And then I tried looking around in the dark. I looked for my phone in the dark. It's been dripping blood all over the place. My lock is broken on my house. So you have to pull on it with one hand to kind of make it go on the other. Every time I pull on it, it would just be like, I couldn't do it, and it hurt too much, and there wasn't even barely control of my hand that much, you know? And I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it one handed, or else I'd go out the sliding door, and there's no deck there. I think mom's dog was here still. of it is like dangerous enough to her you know to herself she's got enough to deal with to think that congregations (laughs) gossip about it and justify false reporting to the police and being a suicide risk to help their get legal case. I mean, we're talking about the scariest night of my, of my life. We're talking about the scariest thing that's ever happened to me. And if you know me, if you actually know me, Which means you would have to know me for a long time. You know that I've already been through some scary stuff. I've been, I've had more scary stuff happen to me than most people have ever had in their entire lives that I know. You know? But this was the scariest. I mean. Like the most traumatic thing that's ever happened to me. And the fact that people have constructed an understanding of it. <laughs> that's like completely false. <laughs> it's frustrating. frustrating <laughs> and I'll fight it till the end and I told the pastor director or whatever I told her you know I didn't call them ever saying that I was going to commit suicide or that I was depressed or anything like that Like, none of that. I never said that. I called them up. I said I was hungry. I was angry. I told them, I called them up. I told them I was cold. And I was angry. 
and I called him up and I told him they had a flat tire and I couldn't drive around and that I needed my car. Not my kid barely had any Christmas presents. I told that pastor, I said, I told all of those things. After she said, well, suicide's a serious thing. And I said, yeah, I never, like I said, I never said I was committing suicide. I didn't commit suicide. I didn't do that. But I did call and tell them that I was cold, and I did call and tell them that I was hungry. I did call and tell them that I was poor. I did call and tell them that I couldn't get around, and that I needed to go to a food bank. And I said, they didn't leave a crust of bread on my doorstep. No one came to me and brought me a blanket. No one called me and asked me how I was. No one showed up with a warm cup of tea on my porch to talk. No one came with, with, with presents from my kid. No one came and magically puffed up my tire when I couldn't move it for months in my, in my fucking yard. Like, they didn't do any of that. And at the end of the conversation, she referred me elsewhere, you know? And I just, I just told her, I was like, whatever, I, I hope this gets into your congregation. Because you know what? I, I know those people. And guess what? I do. I do know the people in those con- in that in that congregation. It's the richest congregation there is in this whole town. I said to her, I said to her, when I needed legal help and representation, I, I called every malpractice place in town. No one will take me. I said, you know how many lawyers there are in your congregation? There's a ton of lawyers. There's a ton of lawyers, there's a ton of doctors in their whole congregation, man. Come on, let's just let's just be real. There's a reason why I called that church. You know? All the rich people sending their kids to that school. And if they go to that school, they're in the parish, which means that they're rich. And so, you know, Whatever, I told him that. I wasn't angry with her at all. But it's like, I I want them to know. It's like, this, I, I'm not depressed, but the, the level of, 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 of like, stress and, look, I, they, could, they could have negotiated with me, but instead, they didn't do anything. They offered to pay my legally owed debts. And they wouldn't do that, do that, so that they can close out the case and say, oh no, you accepted the claim. I'm not doing that. And that's why I needed needed an attorney. But no, there is no attorney. It's crazy. I need someone pro bono, dude. It's bullshit. So I told the lady and I... I told her, I hope that it did trickle into their congregation because well, this is how I'm living. Well, I was living, I called there with no electricity. There hasn't been any electricity in here all month. I've, I'm lucky we've had, you know, being in Dallas in the hospital in Ronald McDonald House or else what? I, I called the two, I called them, I called social services, they sent me some paperwork. I know that they would help me. I, and I called the United Way. And I called um, Catholic Services once, and they said that they were filled up for the week, and I called another place and left a message. And I don't know if I heard back or not. I can't remember. Anyways, I couldn't get any aid from either one of them. And so I ended up breaking down and calling my stepdad. Actually, first I asked him to buy some art, and he said he didn't need any art, and I was offended. I was kind of in a... So I loved you, John, please, blah, blah, blah. And anyways, he called me, and he, and he, paid, my, he paid my entire electricity bill. I don't even know how much it was. <coughs> but my electricity line. And now I can try to pile out for a moment of that and just save up for the goddamn gas. It was just fucking like $900 to fill up that tank. Anyways, but I'm not even worrying about that problem right now. We're still in August. I know I mean July. That's an August problem. Well, then maybe it's a September problem. At any rate, 
It's just like, you know. That was the scariest night of my life, I feel like. And, and you know, my, my claim might have been, like, unorthodox. And, but, and that, but I said, I did. I sent gifts, man. I sent gifts. I sent photographs. I sent art. I, I sent her a story. And this is what happened. They tried to make me look crazy. Instead of just instead of just recognizing the need that I'm just like not even beating around the bush. I'm like, look, we need it. This is what happened. It's so cut and dry. It's so easy. I mean, everyone knows that everyone's guilty that it all happened. Like, I'm not trying to criminalize anyone or anything like that. But Jesus, everyone knows that like, every that it's true. I mean, there's no one involved that knows that it isn't. I mean, everyone knows. There's no question. Like, there is no question at all whether or not there was medical negligence. I mean, that's that's the easy part, <laughs> you know? This, this is the hard part, this part. It's crazy. It's exploitation. It's a monopoly. And like is is preventing me from getting medical care, dude. This 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 situation, their in their unwillingness to negotiate with me directly because I can't afford a lawyer is and they know that no one will take me because they must have that they must have that on retainer too. They're, I mean it doesn't even matter all the details. It's just like and I'm just like this poor lady that ran into my kitchen table holding a holding a pot of sugar. Like, what do you want from me? It's not like there wasn't a police uh, uh, presence. Like they they came, they asked me, "Can I go into your house?" Yes, they did. Okay, he corroborates the story. Whatever, dude. <laughs> what do you want? I don't know if my neighbors came in or not, but they know that the police were in my house too. I mean, everyone was there. I mean, there are witnesses. This is crazy. That's why, that's why the rumor that I could try to commit suicide is like completely false. It's like it's totally fabricated, made up. I mean, I, it didn't happen. If it did, the the police would know that I was lying. Instead, I, I he walked in and everything was exactly as I told him it would be. Down to a bloody pot of sugar at the corner of the table and all the mess and the trail of blood leading all over the place. He knows that. The deputy knows, dude. You know? As far as the severity of it, my neighbors, my neighbors know that I was white as a ghost already by the time anyone even came. They were there with me. And so was that stranger. And the ambulance guy. I mean, if I was that blood lost then, how blood lost looking do you think I looked under the light? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it was still dark. <laughs> I'm afraid this, sh- I mean, I- I- and I don't even know what happened. I don't even know what happened. I barely remember being in the ambulance. hospital I just remember being like don't no pain medication that's all I remember I'm gonna fall into the trap you know it's crazy like yeah I mean they would know that I wasn't you know there's no drugs no alcohol no nothing I just woke up and had my Coffee. That's what I was doing. Like I do every morning, dude. Every morning. <laughs> every single morning.
Because you know. I just don't know. This is crazy. God forgive them for what they've done. Every moment of the way, he could have stopped and apologized. Every moment. He could have stopped. Every moment. Someone could have told, you know, like, I don't know how their information is dispersed over there but it's like it's crazy they they like purposely not calling me back over and over again avoiding me trying to make it seem like I have to email with them and then email with them in some weird way where I can't even read the emails properly in some weird form that I can't probably retain them in like the whole the, the whole system is designed to discourage my empowerment and it's like whatever you know I don't know I just feel like a victim I feel like a victim of corporate greed and that's the theory and I feel like everyone is participating in it in it you know what I mean I feel like everyone knows about it Everyone's talked about it. Everyone knows who I am. I bet, I bet, I mean, I'm telling you. I'm just some lady. And guess, and the worst part is, I'm just some lady they know. And, and even worse than that is, I'm some lady that they know, that they know has a hard life already. Like, anyone who knows me knows that I have a hard life. They, if they know me, they know that I'm, you know, I'm divorced. I have a disabled kid. They know that. You know what I mean? And instead of, instead of that being the benefit of the doubt, that's now somehow, that's somehow some twisted motivation in, in their eyes. I mean, I don't know. That's the only thing they can come up with. It's just like, what the hell? You guys know me, man. How could you do this to me? You guys know me. How could you do this to me? I mean, all the people in in these in these in these positions now, they're these are my peers. My peers are in like I might not know who they are, but like this is Omaha. Omaha is a small town, dude. You know what I mean? It's a small town. I have, I have more anonymity here in a town of 142 people than in Omaha, where there's like a million people. You know what I mean? It's cause cousins, man. Alright. I'm concluding this with a popcorn reading. From the Bible. Or maybe I'll look up at the sparrow. Maybe I'll do both. <clears throat> okay, here we go. Ready? Jeremiah 43. Well, now I've told you, told you everything he said, and you haven't obeyed a word of it, not a single word of what your God sent me to tell you. 
So now, let me tell you what will happen next. You'll be killed. You'll starve to death. You'll get sick and die in the wonderful country where you've determined to go and live. When Jeremiah finished telling all the people the whole message that their God had sent them, sent him to give them all these words, Azariah, son of Hoshiah, and Jonanan, 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 son of Korea, backed by all the self-important men, said to Jeremiah, Liar, our God never sent you with this message telling us not to go to Egypt and live there. Baruch, son of Neriah, is behind this. He has turned you against us. He's playing into the hands of the Babylonians, so we'll either end up being killed or taken off to exile in Babylon. Johanan, son of Korea, and the army officers, and the people along with them, wouldn't listen to God's message that they stay in the land of Judah and live there. Johanan, son of Korea, and the army officers, gathered up everyone who was left from Judah, who had come back from, come back after being scattered all over the place. The men, women, and children, and the king's daughters, all the people that Neb, Zerah, then, captain of the bodyguard, had left in the care of Gedaliah, son of Akim, Ahikam, the son of Shephan. But last, and last but not least, Jeremiah, the prophet, and Baruch, son of Neriah, they entered the land of Egypt in total disobedience of God's message and arrived at the city of Tapanhes. While in Tapanhes, the God's word came to Jeremiah. Pick up some large stones and cover them with mortar in the vicinity of the pavement that leads up to the building set aside for Pharaoh's use in Tahapanis. Make sure some of the men of Judah are watching. Then address them. This is what God of the angel army says. Be on the lookout. I'm sending for and bringing Nebu the Kenezer, the king of Babylon, my servant, mind you. He'll set up his throne on these very stones that I have buried here, and he'll spread out his canopy over them. He'll come and absolutely smash Egypt, sending each to his assigned fate. Death, exile, slaughter. Yikes. This is scary. Um. Eeks. Oh, look at Oh, here's making goddess cookies. Let's just skip to the making goddess, goddess the cookies part. Now we're in 44. Do you mind if I scare, if I just skip the scary stuff? I don't like that scary stuff. I'm going to slip to the cookies. Making the goddess cookies. The men who knew that their wives had been burning sacrifices to the no-gods, joined by a large crowd of women, along with virtually everyone living in Pathros of Egypt, answered Jeremiah, We're having nothing to do with what you tell us is God's message. We're going to go right on offering sacrifices to the Queen of Heaven and pouring out drink offerings to her. Keeping up the traditions set by our ancestors, our kings and government, leaders in the city of Judah, in the cities, in the streets of Jerusalem, in the good old days. Oh, they have a queen? We have, we had a good life then. Lots of food, rising standard of living, and no bad luck. 
But the moment we quit sacrificing to the Queen of Heaven and pouring out offerings to her, everything fell apart. We've had nothing but massacres and starvation ever since. And the women chimed in. Yes, absolutely. We're going to keep at it. Offering sacrifices to the Queen of Heaven and pouring out offerings to her. Aren't our husbands behind us? They like that. They like it that we make goddess cookies and pour out offerings to her. Well, I love cookies. You know I love cookies. Thanks. Thank you. Then Jeremiah spoke up, confronting men and women. All the people who answered so insolently, he said, The sacrifices that you and your parents, your kings, your government officials, and common people of the land offered up in the cities of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem, don't you think that God noticed? He noticed, all right, and he got fed up. Oh. Finally, he couldn't take your evil behavior, hey, I'm not evil, and disgusting acts any longer. Hey. So it's because you kept offering all the sacrifices. No. What's wrong with the queen of heaven? Who was talking? I happen to like the Queen of Heaven. Besides, isn't the Queen of Heaven um Jesus' mother? What's the deal? to keep the vows we made to sacrifice to the queen of heaven and pour our offerings to her and nobody's going to stop us well go ahead keep your vows do it big but also listen to what god has to say about it what i'm done with this through the prophet Jeremiah regarding the godless nations. <laughs> Who is their queen? Queen of heaven? Like from the stars? read this anymore. I think this has got bad news. Here's one. The storm was on September 18th, 26 the traitor on the first days of the unleavened bread the disciples came to Jesus and said where do you want us to prepare your your Passover meal he said enter the city 
Go up to a certain man and say, The teacher says, My time is near, and my disciples plan to celebrate the Passover meal at your house. The disciples followed Jesus' instructions to the letter and prepared the Passover meal. After sunset, he and the twelve were sitting around the table. During the meal, he said, I have something hard but important to say to you. One of you is going to hand me over to the conspirators. They were stunned. Then they began to ask one after another, Is it, is it me, Master? Jesus answered, The one who hands me over is someone I eat with daily. One who passes me food at the table. In one sense, the Son of Man is entering into a way of treachery, well marked by the scriptures. No surprises here. In another sense, that man who turns him in turns traitor to the Son of Man. Better never to have been born than to do this. Then Judas, already turned traitor, said, it isn't me, is it, Rabbi? Jesus said, Don't play games with me, Judas. The bread and the cup. During the meal, Jesus took and blessed the bread, broke it, and gave it to his disciples. Take this, eat. This is my body. Taking the cup and thanking God, he gave it to them. Drink this, all of you. This is my blood. God's new covenant poured out for many people for the forgiveness of sins. I'll be not drinking wine from this cup again until the new day when I'll drink with you in the kingdom of my Father. They sang a hymn and went directly to Mount Olives. Then Jesus told them, before the night is over, you're going to fall to pieces because of what happens to me. There's a scripture that says, I'll strike the shepherd, helter-skelter, the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, your shepherd will go ahead of you. Oh wait, after I am raised up, I, your shepherd, will go ahead of you, leading the way to Galilee. Peter broke in. If Every, every, if, if Peter broke in, even if everyone else falls to pieces on account of you, I won't. Don't be so sure, Jesus said. This very night before the rooster crows up the dawn, you will deny me three times. Peter protested. Even if I had to die with you, I would never deny you. All the others said the same thing. Then Jesus went with them to a garden called Gethsemane and told his disciples, Stay here while I go over there and pray. Taking along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he he plunged into an agonizing sorrow. Then he said, This sorrow is crushing my life out. Stay here and keep vigil with me. Going a little ahead, he fell on his face, praying, My father, if there is any way, get me out of this. But please, not what I want. You, what do you want? Then, when he came back to his disciples, he found them asleep. He said to Peter, Can't you stick it out with me a single hour? Stay alert. Be in prayer so you don't wander into temptation without even knowing you're in danger. There's a part of you that is eager, ready for anything in God. But there's another part that's as lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire. He then left them a second time. Again he prayed, My father, if there is no other way than this, drinking this cup to the dregs, I'm ready. Do it your way. When he came back, he found them sound asleep. They simply couldn't keep their eyes open. This time, he let them sleep on and came back a third time to pray. 
going over the same ground one last time. When he came back the next time, he said, Are you going to sleep on and make a night of it? My time is up. The Son of Man is about to be handed over to the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's get going. My betrayer is here. (coughs) With swords and clubs. The words were barely out of his mouth when Judas, the one from the twelve, showed up and with him a gang from the high priests and religious leaders brandishing swords and clubs. The betrayer had worked out a sign with them. The one I kiss, that's the one, sees him. And he went straight to Jesus, greeted him. How are you, Rabbi? And kissed him. Jesus said, friend, why this charade? And the rest is history. Have a great day.